but um, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to those who have joined us online. In case you were asleep, um, we have a new president. We have a president named Joe Biden, and this morning we want to pray for him. Scripture makes it very clear to us in 1 Timothy 2 to pray for kings and all those who are in authority. As I've been praying for our new president this week, I thought of a quote by Abraham Lincoln, which he says, I've been driven many, many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. And I look at each of the jobs that we have, I look at my job, I look at others, and I realize what an incredible responsibility it would be to be the President of the United States. The awesome responsibility and weight would be overwhelming. And my prayer for us this morning as we pray for our President is that the weight that's upon him, this man who has stepped into the role of President of the United States, that as with Abraham Lincoln, it would drive him to his knees and that, the, that God would reveal himself to him in a brand new way, in a way that he would say, oh God, I need you. And that the fear of God would fall upon him because the spirit of God, the scripture says to us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And how many of you know that to lead a nation such as ours, as divided and difficult as it is in this season and almost any season we need the wisdom from on high so we look to God and we lift up our present why don't we stand for a moment as we pray for him pray with me almighty God we lift up our new president Joe Biden this morning and Father, I pray that the incredible weight of responsibility that has been placed upon his shoulders would turn him like never before to you. Father, strengthen him. Speak to him. God, I pray that in his dreams you'd be revealing yourself and speaking to him in fresh and new and powerful ways. Father, as citizens of this country, we pray for him, we bless him, we pray that God would do new things in his life, God. Help him to lead with the wisdom from you. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. As Brian mentioned, today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And I just want to reiterate that all life is precious. All life is precious, from conception to final breath. The life of my mother in her bed in hospice is precious. The life of Helen Barefoot at 93 is precious. The life of some of you who are watching online that are in bed or unable to come, your life is of great value because each of us are made in the image of God. And that doesn't change as we change physically. I love that my brother said as he was nearing his last days, my brother Rick, as he died of ALS last year, he says, my body is wasting away, but my spirit is stronger every day. And I go, may it be so. 
May it be so that we would be those who would defend life and not just to see babies born, but we'd also be those of the church that would care for all of our little children. That's why my wife loves her job so much. Because she's like, I get to care for these precious kids that God has plans and purposes for that we can only imagine. Life is of great, great value. And that's why I say to you again, you are of immeasurable value. Too many people think, well, not me. No, you are of immeasurable value. God has a deep and passionate love for each and every one of us. And you know, moving here at City Hill, God is moving in our church. There are some things happening that I find tremendous joy in because I just see it's like God showing up and doing things in people's lives. And I get the joy of hearing some of them as pastor people come and say, Pastor, did you hear? And you may hear some of them, but I want to continually bring some of these testimonies before you um, because they're too good to hold down, right? You want to hear what God is doing. Running the church and the programs we have and the preaching and the worship, it's all good. It's all important, but we need God. I just go, God, all my words are not going to change lives. They're not going to heal marriages. They're not going to do it unless God shows up. And if God shows up, then watch out. And we have a situation where God showed up, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, and Maul and Jake, come on up. They shared a special testimony with me this week, and I said, this Sunday would be a good Sunday to let the church know what God's been up to. Come on up, guys. Okay. So my name is Jake. This is Anmol, my wife. And uh, we've been married about five years. Who here was at the August 16th 50-year anniversary? Can you raise your hand? So a lot of you. Okay, do you guys remember that we had all or most of the pastors speak that, uh, I guess it was Sunday? Um, there was the first pastor. Do you guys know Pastor Fred Herzog? Yeah. yeah? Okay, so that's uh, kind of where our story takes off. So backstory to this, we've been married for five years, and we've been having a hard time having children. Um, I was diagnosed with PCOS, which is called polycystic ovarian syndrome, which makes it harder to get pregnant. And um, I had very irregular periods. And uh, when we went to talk with Dr. Um, sorry, with Pastor Fred, um, he didn't know any of this. But when he started praying for us, God told him that he would give us children. And then Pastor Fred said, mark it on your calendar. You will get pregnant 30 days after your next period. And we thought, wow, that is very, very specific. <laughs> And so my next period started October 11th, and then a month after that, three days after that, was my birthday, November 11th. And so I took a pregnancy test, and it was negative. But it takes at least two weeks for a home pregnancy test to show a positive result once you're pregnant. And so two weeks after that, I started feeling a little weird. I thought I had worms. <laughs> I went home, and Jake said, take a pregnancy test. I took a pregnancy test, and it was positive. And this is really cool. We actually have the recording of Pastor Fred prophesying over us, so go ahead. So those are some of the things. Oh, can, can you pray for me and for yeah, my husband? Yeah, sure. would, would you be willing to? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me put this down. Okay. 
Do, do you want to sit down? No, I'll stand up. I'm fine. Okay. I'm just going to be apostolic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's gonna, this is going to be a party. Okay. Sounds great. <laughs> I, I just warning you because you never know what God's going to do. Oh, yes. Yes. How long have you been married? Five years. You've been looking for children? Yes. He said, I'm going to give you children. You can count the day. It's going to be 30 days from your next period. You're going to be pregnant. My son, so those are some of the things. Oh, can, can you pray for me and for yeah. my husband? Well, on Sanctity of Life Sunday, praise the Lord, we are rejoicing that God is bringing new life and that God is involved in, he is the author of life. And we rejoice with you guys in that answer, the prophetic answer to prayer, really. And we're excited about that. And just seeing how God speaks into areas which are so personal and so important to us. So my hope as we share God's answers is that faith would arise. You know this, we are still rejoicing. I am still in awe that God has paid off our debt here at this church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. None of us really saw any way that we were going to see 636000 paid off on our long-term debt last year, and God has done that. And I am still incredibly blessed by God's provision. But in that, the goal is, remember from the sermon last week, the goal is not just that we believe that God will take care of our finances. Yes. But the goal is that faith would arise in our souls. That what you are believing for, what you are trusting for, what you are asking him for, one, that God is faithful, but two, that we can believe in him in good times and in bad. I just think when we trust in him, Paul says, you know, Paul's trusting in Jesus and he says that nothing will separate us from the love of God, not life nor death. So he realizes that may be part of walking with God. But that will not separate us from the love of God. God wants us to be so grounded that when things go bad, when things are difficult, that our faith just goes deeper. And we hang on to the Lord in these times and in the challenging times. Praise the Lord. John 20, 20. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. May that be true of us. May we not be Christians light that just believes God for all the things he's going to give us. But may we be those that so trust in God and his faithfulness that even when we're in suffering and in difficult times, our faith remains strong. We've been walking through the book of John. I don't know about you, I've really enjoyed just having this study guide for the book of John. And it went so well, and I heard so many really good responses about how people were getting into the Word and God was speaking to them that talked to Kurt, and Kurt, thank you, um, Kurt made a new one for us for the, for the month of February. We're going to go through the book of Matthew in the month of February. And 
So it's there. It's at the back table. I think they were handed out. Everybody got one? You, they're at the table out there. Be sure to pick one up. I want to encourage us to get into the Word. What I love is people saying, I went to the Word and I, I just couldn't figure out which of these wonderful verses to take. There were so many good ones. And, and I grabbed this one and God really spoke to me that day through this Word. And I'm like, yes! Because I am so aware that Sunday morning, if that is your food for the week, you're in trouble. Hopefully it's good word on Sunday morning, but that's not enough. If all you did was eat lunch on Sunday, and then you waited till the next Sunday, you'd be in trouble. We need to be daily feeding ourselves the word of God, and that's what we're attempting to help, is to say together as a church, it's nice to know when I'm reading the chapter that the church is reading this together, we're letting the Word of God speak into our lives. There's nothing like it, because the Word of God is powerful to speak to us. So, thank you, Kurt. February, the book of Matthew. But I didn't want to leave John yet. As I was working through John, one of the scriptures, or the key themes was that you would believe. That we would be people that believe. But there's another theme that I think is important to speak about this morning. John 13, 34. John 13, 34. We'll get to it in a minute. When we get to John 13, John, Jesus' life is coming to an apex. He's done his miracles. He's traveled. He's ministered for three years. And now he's alone with his disciples in the upper room celebrating the Passover. And as one might do, realizing that your days are coming to an end, he gathers his disciples with him, and he opens his heart, and he unloads the things that are just so important to him, why he's coming to this earth. And John, which talks about the three, and a half, three years of Jesus' ministry, gives five chapters of John to this conversation. Five chapters to what Jesus spoke to his disciples. He tells them, well, first of all, he washes their feet. He shows them the incredible importance of leadership and of his followers serving one another in humility. He talks about his upcoming betrayal and death so that they know that this is part of God's plan. He tells them about heaven that he is the door and that salvation is through Christ and through Christ alone. That there is only one door into heaven and it's through Christ. He tells them that he's going to be sending the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine when he says, it's better that I go away? I'm sure they were like, what? No, you got to stay with it. We need you. He's like, no, it's better that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And it's not just going to be with you. It's going to, he's going to dwell in you. And this is good. This is rich, important. And then, right in the middle of this beautiful message, we find one key, one of the main key verses of the book of John and maybe of the entire Bible. He says, a new commandment I give unto you. And when he said that, these were Jews. And I, you know, when I talk about commandment, they understood commandments. And they were, I could just imagine them going, wait a second, a new commandment? So we got the ten. Remember the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses? We got those ten. And then they had another 613 commandments 
that the Jews were called to practice, 613. And all of these were known by the Jews. Imagine just trying to live by all these rules. And Jesus says, ah, but I've got another one. I got a new commandment for you. And he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. He keeps saying it over and over, wants to emphasize it. Love one another. Say that with me. Love one another. Tell somebody beside you. Love one another. It's a commandment. And we're not just talking about feel good one towards another. Because that doesn't always work, does it? But this is the kind of love that Jesus had for us where we're called to show love, kindness, sacrifice for one another, which as far as I'm concerned, one another covers a whole lot of people, right? You're one another. And we're called to show in action our love one for another. And so I want to ask you, church, how are we doing? How are we doing? Are we, how are we doing on that? It's a major commandment of God to love one another. That means you can't just stay isolated. It's not just you and God. We're called to love one another. So I want to get asked some hard questions this morning. If the world were to look in on us, really take a hard look, get into your life, come hang out with us a little bit, what would they find? What would they conclude being with us? I want to talk to City Hill, but also to the church at large. What would people find? Well, let me start with the good. The good things. There's lots of good things they'd find. I think one thing they'd find here at City Hill is an outpouring of giving and generosity. I'm always amazed at the giving and the generosity of this church. For a church our size, there's a lot of giving that goes on that many don't experience. It's, it's one of the values and characteristics. This is a church that gives. I'm not just talking about the tithes and offerings, which is also true. I'm just talking about people who give to each other, people who give their cars away, people who give of their time and their energy to serve one another. There's a lot of giving. And I think that shows love. We give because we love people. It's not just because we have something to check off our list. And I think that people who would be around us go, wow, those people give. And I think the Lord's honored in that. So good job. I think service they'd also find. I was just thinking of some of the areas. We have Sunday school teachers right now who are throughout this church serving our children. Ushers, sound booth people, video, elders, deacons that put in a lot of hours that are invisible to most. But people who do that out of love for God and love for each other. Life group leaders, serving people in their homes, in meetings here, in their Zoom meetings, people who are serving one another. And I think the Lord loves that. He says, good job. 
our youth team, our young adult ministry, those who are working within love, word, and deed to serve those less fortunate on the streets of Minneapolis. And the list goes on and on. So I believe in service. We're doing a good job. There's always more, but praise the Lord. We're people who say, my life needs to reflect my faith in Christ. I think they'd also see joy. I sometimes just stop and listen after service when there's people milling all over and the laughter that I hear and the, the people with the elbow bump. You never know how to greet somebody these days, right? Do you shake a hand? Do you give a big hug? Do you wave at a distance? Who knows? But there's laughter and there's relationship. The church doesn't empty out when the final amen goes. People show love and relationship for each other and that's a beautiful thing. All those things are ways in which we love each other. However, and you knew there was one of those coming, didn't you? I want to challenge you. Is it okay to challenge you in a few things this morning? And if it's, if it's not you, great. But if it is, just let the Lord speak a word of challenge. Because we're part of the body of Christ. And there's a couple things I've seen and I go, if this is the body of Christ, we're in trouble. I particularly look at the online bantering that I see when I go online among Christians. I'm not talking about the world. They're, God bless them. But when I see these issues going on with Christians and I watch the online bantering, I actually, I'm embarrassed. I read it and I'm, I want to go, please don't do that. Oh, don't say that. Oh, I wish I could edit you off of my page. Not not the person, but these lines. And what I find is when we get online, we lose civility. Like sometimes we have to be nice to each other face to face, but they get online, it's like all that goes away and people, it's like the goal is truth or my version of truth and there's zingers and there's harsh things. I mean, I'm, I'm reading Christian talk and banter and I hear someone say, well, you're going to burn in hell. And I think, really? Can, it's Jesus. I go... That's not what the Lord would have us do. And if I'm in the world and I'm reading this, I'm gonna, am I going to go, oh, those are really good people. I Look at the love they share. I go, they're just like us. They're no different being Christians, and we must be different as Christians. So I just tell you, sometimes I just go, just turn it off. If that's what you, I mean, I've had things, I've read things, and I've been so tempted to say things. You ever had that where you read it, you read a text and you go, oh, man, have I got a good one here. And I have learned, and my wife has been helpful. She's saying, you're not saying that, honey. And I'm like, I know I'm not, but oh, you know, that the flesh is screaming like, boy, and I don't have to see him. I may not even know him. And it's like, nope, because Christ is not glorified in that, especially in a public forum. So I just want to challenge us because online is here to stay. It's a part of our life. Think twice or three times or five times before you give that harsh, critical, condemning zinger. Better just to turn it off and keep a distance. And I ask the question, even when you're right, you got the truth. But we're called to speak the truth in love, and love gets lost online. And so when I need to speak the truth in love, and there's times you've got to say some things, go personal, go face-to-face. -face. Coffee shops are opening up again, praise the Lord. 
Find a time. Now, if I invite you for coffee, it does not mean I have a harsh word, right? Don't get worried. I like just having coffee with people. But face-to-face -face is so much better. You can see the person. You can give a hug. You can see what's going on in somebody's life. There's a relationship there. And I just say we have to work on that. If you can't do it in a coffee shop, at least get a Zoom going or a FaceTime, something so you can connect with the person. My question is this. If we're called to be the love of God here in this world, is what we're doing online reflecting that? So we have to be very, very careful. Jesus says, love one another. Verse 35, by this, all people, so that's the all people out there who are reading our text, reading our post, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. May our communication be deeply seasoned with love. And that makes us ask the question really of unity. Unity is a tricky thing, isn't it? We're called to be unified. But have you ever seen a nation more divided on 10 different topics? Topic, and we have issues. And what I find people doing is trying to gather with the group of people that they agree with with everything. I want to ask you, have you found that group yet? That group gets smaller and smaller and smaller. I mean, anybody who's married knows they have to figure out how to live with someone with whom they don't always agree. I've been blessed with a wife. I saw that out there. Uh, I've been blessed with a wife that we agree on the vast majority of things, except whether to go through that red light or not. Um, we, but when there's differences, we got to learn how to talk, how to listen, how to love in spite of differences. But that goes far beyond marriage. It goes to our lives, how we can love people with whom we disagree. I'm just thinking of some of the things that try to divide us. Remember, united we stand, divided we fall. And if there's an enemy that wants us to fall, the body of Christ to fall, his plan is division. Divide and conquer. We know these principles, but man, when we have a difference with somebody, it's so hard not to go, I've had it, I don't belong, I don't want, and we separate, and that's where Satan wins. So unity, what does it mean, and how do we obtain it? I was just thinking of some of the things that try to divide us, things that have divided us. If you go back even further, I didn't look this up. My details are a bit off. But the Anabaptists, if you go back to Switzerland, back hundreds of years, they were killing each other, the Christians. People who we know some of their writings, but they would, those who believed in immersion baptisms were seen as the enemy of the gospel. And they were killing those who did that. They would strap them to chairs and drop them underwater in wells till they renounced their belief in immersion baptisms. 
I hear that today and I'm going, no. Really? Really? They killed people in the name of God, Christians against Christians, over how you were supposed to be baptized. And I see that and I, I'm appalled that that's part of our Christian heritage. And I say, that's horrible and I think we would all agree. But how many things will we allow to divide us? I think of the issue of Calvinism and Arminianism. I don't know if you know the difference, but Calvinism would hold very highly to the sovereignty of God, which we all believe in. But they would hold to the sovereignty of God as a very high value, and Arminianism would hold more to the free will of man, that God has given us free will. And I think of my relationship with Zach Schubert. Zach, I hope you're watching online. Zach has been an elder here at church. He's now a principal of a Christian school down in Marshall, Minnesota. And Zach would lean more Calvinistic, wouldn't you say, Brian? And I would lean more Arminian. And so we would often have discussions. I just want to say, I love Zach Schubert. He's my brother. I love this guy. He's not just a brother. He's my friend. He's a fellow leader. And we don't agree on some of these things. And that just makes our friendship all the more cool. And we have, now, our jokes going back, we, we have fun with. You know, and you can do that between these. And you know what? When we get to heaven, we'll figure out that I'm right, you know. Um, but churches have divided over these topics. Friendships have been broken. Families divided. It ought not be. If we were back in England with C.S. Lewis, when we have these issues, you know what we'd do? We'd head down to the pub, we'd get a pint and some chips, and we'd talk all night long, late into the night, around the table. And then we'd go home knowing Jesus more and, and loving each other more. We need more of that. Not necessarily the pint and chips, but the, you get the idea, right? We need to be able to talk these things through. Politics, Democrats, Republicans, Independents. How many churches and people have been divided over this? We can do better. COVID. I mean, if you'd have told me years ago that we would have people with major offenses and leaving church over wearing masks or not wearing masks, I'd have said you were crazy. And here we are over COVID regulations? How about women in leadership roles? Strong opinions on this. And may I say that we as elders are, have been working through a two-year process studying each and every scripture, working through the, the issues of women in leadership, and we're still at it. Every month we spend a couple hours together looking through a deep and thorough biblical study of these topics or of this topic, and the list goes on. And I want to say clearly, lest you hear me wrong, these are important topics. These topics matter. They matter to me. I have deep convictions on all these topics I've just talked to you about. They matter to me, but they don't matter to the level of me breaking fellowship with you. In fact, one of the things that we're to be known with is that we can have different opinions and love each other. And that's going to separate us from the church. 
Look at the people that Jesus had on his discipleship team. Honestly, I, it appears to me that he didn't choose very well. Sarcasm, get it, right? You look at having a tax collector who's hated, despised, and he brings him into this Jewish discipleship team. Tell me there wasn't some conflict. And Jesus chose these people from all different parts of life, and then he said, we're going to love each other. Now, did they have conflict? Sure, they did. They argued about who was the greatest. They argued who would sit at the right or left hand of Jesus in heaven. They, they were like us. But somehow they continued to love each other in spite of their differences. And I believe that when I read these scriptures of Christ, he saw the incredible importance of loving each other that we would love each other, that we'd be able to overlook. The Bible says love overlooks a multitude of sins. Well, that would be us again. One of the things that happens when people come to church is they go, well, the church did this, something happened, some casual, maybe insensitive comment somebody made, and they're offended. And first of all, may I say, we're still the church growing, right? Anybody got there yet? That means we're a bunch of sinners who love Jesus, who've been saved by his grace, and we're growing. But it's still a hospital, and we're still working our way forward towards Christ. And so you come to a church, and you're not going to find it all Jesus. And Jesus offended people too, so it's part of it. We are not a totally whole people because we're still alive on this side of heaven. But folks, I want to just challenge you to ask the Lord to help to make you a person who has an unoffendable heart. An unoffendable heart. The way that I word that in my life and ministry is that I'd have an elephant skin and a tender heart. And those are hard because you get hurt and there's comments made and there's things that are painful and what you tend to do is close down. I'm going to protect myself and what you do is you maybe protect yourself but you also keep people at arm's length. And Jesus calls us to love one another. When I was in YWAM, we would have people come through, come and go and come and go and come and go. They'd be for a week or a month and you'd love them and they'd leave and then you'd find new friends and then they'd leave. And after a while, my kids would go, Dad, I'm, this is bad. This hurts. I'm not, I mean, I, I may be nice to them, but I'm not going to let anybody in anymore. And I said, nope, that's not the way we live. I'd rather be those who let people in and then we cry every time they leave. I think that would be better. Be more painful, but it'd be better that we just love people. And sure, it's messy. Sure, it hurts. But I think that's what Jesus calls us to be. I would love to see if we excelled at something as City Hill. People may criticize whatever they want to criticize, but they'd say, you know, man, they love people. Man, those people just, 
you walk in and you just love. You can hardly get out the door because people love us so much and they just care about us and there's giving and there's laughter and there's homes open and they, man, they love each other. And if you would say, well, it's because they're all a bunch of clones and they all think alike, you go, no, no. No, actually, there's a whole lot of different kind of people in that church. People who think differently about different things, but they still somehow get past that and they love each other. Now, realize I'm not talking about some of the deep essentials of faith. And I'd welcome somebody in here who absolutely, who doesn't know Jesus, who's walking through their brokenness. Everybody's welcome to come in and join the church. In leadership, there are statements of faith that we think are essential for leadership to have. We want to, I'm not going to go through those today. We're actually going to go through those in the newcomers meeting this afternoon. But I just want to caution us in the name of Jesus to have an unoffendable heart, one that overlooks and that has love and respect for people who think differently than you do. I'd also say here we have, sometimes I see people offended for hypothetical people. You ever seen that? I'll preach a sermon, they'll say, well, you, know, you said that, and had there been somebody here who, now, were they here? And were, Well, no, but they could have been here, and they would have been offended, and so therefore I'm offended for somebody we've never met, and I'm like, I think things like, give it a rest. <laughs> it's like, okay. We, it's not a badge of honor to take offense. It's not a badge of honor to take offense for people who may not even exist. We're called to stand for the truth. We're called to work for righteousness, but to do so with an overwhelming heart of love. And that's what I felt John was saying in, in his book. And when you're, you say, well, how is that possible? Well, one thing we should do is listen more. My wife has a little statement in some of her teachings. She says, God gave us two ears and one mouth, and we should use them in that proportion. That's a good thing. We get to talk, but... We should listen first. Listen to people. Ask questions. Try to find out instead of trying to convince them of how wrong they are and how right you are. Wonder, maybe there's something I have to learn here. Maybe there's something I can learn. Even if they're wrong, I can learn how they came to that. And it's not your job to set everybody right. Isn't that a good thing? The Bible talks about he sent the Holy Spirit who will lead you into all truth, who convicts us of sin. And I go, praise the Lord, it's not my job to go around and tell everybody where they're off. Wouldn't that get tiring? That's not my job. It's not your job. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. May we be people who hold truth as a high importance and study and talk about it and discuss it. But may we do so with a great spirit of love. One of the greatest joys I have is talking with people who really disagree with me and have a great conversation with them. Those can be wonderful to help you understand other people and walk away with a high five or a hug. 
I think that's what Jesus would want us to do. And the Bible says to love, the Bible says that if you love people who love you, big deal. Kind of harsh words. I just want to read this as I close Luke 6, 20, Luke 6, 31. Do unto others as you would have them do to you, which is a golden rule, right? Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But, now he speaks to us. Love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. May we be those that when somebody offends us, we look at how we can show them more love. May we be those when someone disagrees with us, our first response is, let's go have a cup of coffee and listen. Find a couple good questions. Learn from those who don't agree with us. <clears throat> let's excel in loving one another, and I believe God will be honored. I think that's what Christ was talking about where he says, love one another and the world will see that you're my disciples. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want those who hang out with us to look and go, I don't get all this Jesus stuff, but there is something different about you. I want to know more. I want to hear more about this God that you serve. Worship team, come on up. I want to close just by speaking a, a blessing over you guys today and over us as a church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord help you to love those who are difficult for you. May you be empowered by the Holy Spirit to love actively love those with whom you disagree. And may we be one and walk in the unity of the Holy Ghost so that the world would marvel and give all the glory to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's grow in our ability to be one in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So thanks for coming today. Good to see you. Thanks for those who joined us online. I'll be at the welcome table on the left going out. We also have a prayer room over here. Bruce is over there. If you want someone to pray with you, to seek the Lord with you, we have a trained group of people to do just that. And if you're new to us in the past seasons and you've never joined us in a newcomer's class, come join us for lunch. We're going to spend an hour or so together. It'd be great to be with you. God bless. Love the world, church. Amen.